recognize these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I guess it would be okay if we edited that today and said every man, woman, and child are created equal. And that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, that is the founding document for our nation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life. The first principle of our nation includes the right of life. You'll remember that for years now there has been a great struggle in our nation regarding the sanctity of life surrounding the issue of abortion. And very recently, Roe v. Wade was overturned and the abortion debate has not gone away, but now it has become a state issue. Let me encourage you as believers to give careful and thoughtful consideration to supporting Amendment Number 2, which affirms a right-of-life posture in the state of Kentucky. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we know that as believers in Jesus, we are blessed with a dual citizenship. Yes, we are citizens in this great land for which we are most grateful. But even more importantly, we are citizens of your kingdom. And as Jesus taught us to pray, we do pray that your kingdom would come and that indeed your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, the founding fathers began with that, we hold these truths to be evident. Our focus today is actually on the very last statement in that sentence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. In other words, no guarantees that you're going to catch it. No, no guarantee that you're going to get it, but you can chase after it. And the truth is, happiness is something that we're all about. How many times do we say it ourselves? I mean, you could finish the sentence, but I just want to be happy. How many times do we say that for our kids? I just want my children to be happy. But the happiness that we're after isn't some kind of temporary good feeling that fades far too quickly. What we really want, what we long for is a lasting joy. What we desire is a meaningful purpose. 
that makes life rich and sweet. But the question is, where are you going to find it? How can you have it? Would it be all right if I just kind of gave you the point of the sermon from the very beginning? This is the point of the message today. It's simply this. Life generosity is the root of joy. Jesus is the one who said so. You'll remember his words. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that word blessed, it's from the Greek makarios, and it means supremely blessed. It means happy. Could it really be that simple? Could it really be true that happiness is like a hidden treasure just out of sight and yet it is right there for you right in front of us if you would open your bibles today to matthew chapter 13 matthew chapter 13 this entire chapter of the bible is all about parables in fact there are seven parables in this one chapter but we're not going to go through all of them but there's the sower and the soils there's the wheat and the tares there's the mustard seed the yeast the buried treasure the perfect pearl and the fishing net jesus often taught in parables in fact about halfway through this chapter um, the disciples asked jesus why do you always teach in parables and jesus replies that it's about the secrets of the kingdom and that word secrets means the hidden mysteries that are now being made known in fact listen to these verses 34 and 35 jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds in fact he never spoke to them without using such parables this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Things hidden. Think about that. Things hidden. It, it means they're right here, right in front of us, but you can't see it. And the parables reveal this hidden yet present truth to you and me. Now, we're going to read in just a second Matthew 13, 44 and 45. But before we read, uh, let me introduce myself. If we've not met, my name's Kevin Lee. I'm one of the pastors. Would love the opportunity to meet you. I'll be in the next step area after this worship service. And if you've not yet completed a digital connect card, let me encourage you to do that today. All right, let's read these two parables. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. 
Now, implicit in these, the message of these parables is this. Do you want to be happy? The secret is hiding right in front of you, he's saying. Make sure that you get it. Listen, some time ago, I came across an author, actually a professor, uh, by the name of Emily Estefani Smith, and she's a renowned um, college professor associated both with Dartmouth and Yale. Uh, she's spoken all over the nation, and her area of expertise is happiness. That'd be pretty cool. Professor of happiness. That's, that's my job. Well, some time ago, she did a TED talk on the topic, there's more to life than being happy. Her, her TED talk has been viewed more than 12 million times and so let me give you a spoiler alert because I'm going to jump right to her conclusion, all right? This is her conclusion. What I discovered changed my life. The data showed that chasing happiness can make people unhappy. Well, that's a bummer, isn't it? You go chasing after it and you can't get it? The, the pursuit of happiness isn't going to deliver listen she goes on and she says this there is an emptiness gnawing away at people and you don't have to be clinically depressed to feel it sooner or later we all wonder is this all there is and according to research what predicts this despair is not a lack of happiness it's a lack of meaning our culture is obsessed with happiness but meaning is the fulfilling path. Well, that, that makes sense. So how do you find meaning and fulfillment and purpose? Listen to her conclusion. Purpose is less about what you want and more about what you give. Wait, what? She's saying that the meaning of life, finding purpose in joy, comes in a life of generosity. Well, you might put it this way. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, over the last several weeks, we have been talking about Jesus on generosity. And week one was about the heart hand Connection. What you do with what you have in your hands, your possessions, has an impact on your heart. Where your treasure is, Jesus said. In other words, where you invest, where you spend, where you hoard, there your heart's going to be. Week two was the eternal principle, that there is this connection between the here and now and the then and there that is to come, that, that there's a connection between treasures on earth and also treasures in eternity. And everything that I use and I enjoy and I invest now can have an eternal implication. And the returns on eternal investment, well, man, they are, they are just simply out of this world. So do not store up, but rather pour out your treasures for the kingdom. Now, today I want to unpack this third principle that I call the joy principle. And it's simply this, a, that life generosity is the root of genuine joy. And like Jesus said, it, it, it's like a hidden treasure. 
but it is right there in front of you. So as we unpack these parables, I want us to look at three lessons. And the first lesson is this. Nothing is worth more. Nothing is worth more. Both parables describe the discovery of something of immense value. First, you have the hidden treasure stumbled upon, but then you have that perfect pearl that is found after a lifetime of searching. And both would tell you nothing is worth more. Now, listen, I don't think we should get entangled in the distraction of the ethics of the finder keeper in the story. We, we want to immediately call him out and go, wait a minute, he rehid that treasure. He's not, he's not showing full disclosure, but that's not the point. The one point of the parable is simply this. When you know what matters most, when you find that thing that is of supreme value, you got to have it. Nothing is worth more. And the thing that Jesus is teaching us that is worth supreme value is the kingdom of heaven. In fact, I would encourage you this afternoon to carve out some time, go back and just read this entire chapter, Matthew chapter 13, because the entire chapter is about the kingdom of heaven. And notice how often that phrase, kingdom of heaven, shows up in this chapter. You'll see it in verse 11, verse 24, verse 31, verse 33, verse 44, verse 45, verse 47, verse 52, all the way through kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. So what is um, it that you hear me say so often? Repetition means pay attention. Pay attention. So pay attention when you see that. And what Jesus is saying is the most important thing in this world is not in this world. It is God's kingdom. But you, yes, you, you can have it right now right here and nothing is worth more give your life to the kingdom so the question i want you to be pondering in your heart even right now is simply the answer to this question have you found this treasure have you experienced exactly what jesus is talking about now there are several assumptions in the parables that i want us to work through quickly and assumption number one is this even if you don't see it you need to know that god's kingdom is right here the guy who finds the treasure just sort of stumbles upon it, but it was there all the time, hidden just out of sight, but in some ways it was hidden in plain sight. Could it be that the very best life that you and I long for is just right here, right now? Jesus is saying, you need to understand, this life can be yours. Assumption number two, all of us are giving our lives to something are we not i mean watch the characters in the parables the first guy stumbles upon the treasure and then he immediately secures it the pearl merchant all his life he's looked and looked and now that he finds it he buys it and in this moment they are both all in what is it that you're giving your life to what is it that we are pursuing we are all giving our lives to something. The third assumption. The third assumption from the parables is this. Only one thing 
is worth everything. Only one thing is worth everything. What was the cost of the treasure? What was the cost of the pearl? Again, repetition. It says of both of them, they sold everything. They sold everything in order to have the one thing. What is the one thing that you are giving your life to? What matters most? And that brings us to the fourth assumption. When you gain that one thing, it changes you. It changes everything. Look at the treasure finding man. Notice the phrase. It says, in his excitement, or if you use an older translation, um, it says, for the joy thereof he goes and sells. Now, the truth is that word excitement's really not a, a great translation of that word. In the Greek, it literally is the word joy. In fact, the very same word, kara, uh, the same word that Jesus used when he said, you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. It's also the same word that Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 uses in describing Jesus when it says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. In other words, Jesus himself gave his all and there was joy. And likewise, when these guys, the treasure finder and the pearl merchant, when they find that one thing, it changed everything. And let me just tell you, if you by chance find this treasure that Jesus is revealing to us, it will change you as well. And that brings us to the second point. Not only, not only is this worth the most, but secondly, it is in letting go that you gain. It is in letting go that you gain. Did you notice that the treasure finder and the merchant, uh, the pearl merchant, both gave everything? And it was in their giving that they gained. What about you? You know, here's my assumption about most people. I really do believe that the vast majority of all of us are not immature, narcissistic, self-absorbed, and selfish people. Most of us would not desire to be described in that way. I think almost all of us would like to think of ourselves and to actually be generous people. How many times do we see a need, somebody in, in a time of struggle, and we think to ourselves, man, I, I wish I could do more. I, I, I wish I could make a difference. We all see the value of generosity. But the question is, how do we make the shift? How do we, how do we get there? How do we move from a mindset of living under kind of a cloud of not enoughism? and step into genuine generosity. Well, listen to the ancient words out of Proverbs, Book of Wisdom. Proverbs 11, 23 and 24 says this, the godly can look forward to a reward while the wicked can expect only judgment. Give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. What? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense, does it? You, you give it away and, and you, you become wealthy uh, or you hold on to it and you lose everything? Not only that, it is in giving 
that you'll find meaning and purpose and joy. Years ago, I came across a book. It's called The Paradox of Generosity. It's written by Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson. Both of them are from the sociology department in Notre, at Notre Dame. Uh, the subtitle of the book kind of says it all. Giving we receive, grasping we lose. Listen to this quote from the book. It says, generosity is paradoxical. Those who give receive back in turn. By spending ourselves for others' well-being, we enhance our own standing. In letting go of some of what we own, we better secure our own lives. By giving ourselves away, we move toward flourishing. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching, it is a sociological fact. By giving, we move towards flourishing. And you know it's true. You've experienced it. Listen, have you ever, have you ever been on a mission trip? Have you ever gone on missions? Maybe, maybe around the globe, maybe just across the street, and you help somebody else. And you give of yourself. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your talents. Maybe it's your treasure. And you become a blessing to someone else. But let me ask you, at the end of all of that, who is it that's really blessed? It's you. You experience the blessing of giving yourself to others. By giving, we move towards flourishing and speaking of mission trips i want to personally invite you to join me on a mission trip in march now let me tell you about this this is going to be a medical mission trip into the amazon in brazil the organization that we're working with is called amor a-m-o-r but let me tell you, you don't have to be a doctor or a dentist or a nurse to go on this trip. But I'm just telling you, if you are, we want you to go on this trip. Now, this trip is going to go up the Amazon River by boat into the back country where we'll be involved in ministry with indigenous people groups all up in that area. And kind of a cool story about Amor, let me tell you about them. Uh, the name actually is a play on words. Obviously, Amor stands for Amazon Mission Organization, Amor. But that's also the Portuguese word for love. And I heard about this organization back in the 1990s. In fact, when this organization started, I was a pastor in Arkansas, and the church that I pastored there was instrumental in starting this organization. Anyway, when I was there, people would talk about the mission trips that they had been on up the Amazon with Amor. And one of the trips that they talked about was a trip that involved construction. And when they arrived at this village, they were not able to um, get the generator to work. And so the guys that were along, they were mechanically in mind. Uh, they did everything they could to try to resurrect it. These guys told me that for hours, they did everything they knew to do to get that generator working because without the generator, a lot of their work was going to be jeopardized. 
So just about they were to that point where you're just going to throw up your hands and give up. They said one of the villagers, a native, a guy who was a new Jesus follower, came up and asked the team and said, do you think maybe we should pray for the generator? And you know what the whole team thought? Yeah, right, like that's going to that's gonna make a difference. But you can't tell a guy when you're on a mission trip, no, we're not going to pray for a generator. So they all gathered around and they prayed and they tried it again and the generator came to life. But let me tell you, generators are not the only thing that comes to life when you give yourself on mission. Listen, when you give your time and your talents and your treasure, you're the one who will be blessed. It is in letting go that you actually gain. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, those who love money are never going to have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Listen, if you're interested in going on this trip or for this matter, any of our mission trips that are coming up, you just need to indicate that on your Connect card or contact Janie Pitts. And this trip is going to be March 20th through the 30th. And hear me again. Won't you come, go with me on mission and see the blessings that God will work in your life. And that brings us to the third point taught in these parables, that joy is the overflow of giving joy is the overflow of giving don't miss the simple detail in these parables both of them gave everything they had and when you read the story you can feel their joy listen that's how generosity works in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul was laying out a generosity opportunity to the church, and he begins by talking about the incredible generosity of the people from Macedonia. And he described them as poor and that they were under severe hardship. In fact, this is what he says. They're being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed into rich generosity do you see it that's how generosity and joy work together it works both ways generosity produces joy joy is the overflow of giving can i tell you the happiest people that i have known in my life are generous people it just it just shows up one of the great influencers in my ministry was a man by the name of dr ben elrod he was one time the president of Georgetown College uh, here in Kentucky. When I met him, he was president at Washita Baptist University, and he's one of the most enjoyable people that I've ever been around. And I suppose more than any individual, this is the guy who taught me the most about giving. And, and more than what he taught, he's just one of these people who embodied this spirit uh, of being joyful all the time in his life. A biography was written about him, and I love his quote from him in the biography. Listen to what Dr. Elrod said. He said this, When raising funds for a worthy cause, you need to understand, you're not begging anyone for money. You are trying to you're not trying to persuade anyone to do anything against his or her will. Your job is to sell thrills you are to find people 
that want to change the world for the better and you facilitate their doing it. And then he goes on and he said this, we've all heard it said, give until it hurts. That doesn't make any sense. You give until it feels good. And he is spot on. Listen to what Paul says when he wraps up that appeal to generosity. He said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Don't we all? Don't we love it when somebody gives cheerfully? I mean, say it's your spouse's birthday. And you come to your spouse on their birthday and you say to them, I know it's your birthday. And you're going to be all grumpy if I don't give you a gift. So I went to Walmart and I found something and here it is. I hope you like it. I mean, nobody's going to take joy in that kind of begrudging gift. Listen, Christians. We have been called to be a joyful, generous people. It goes to the very core of what it means to wear the name of Christ in this world. In fact, back in the second century, think just 100 years after the apostles, there was a Caesar, Caesar Hadrian, who sent a philosopher to infiltrate the Christian community, to spy on Christians, because they just could not figure out for the life of them how and why this little, tiny, obscure religious cult was exploding in growth across the Roman Empire. And I want you to hear what Aristides wrote back to Caesar describing what he discovered among the people of the way. He wrote and he said, they love one another. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their own homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if there is among them any that are poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply the needy their lack of food. Such, O king, is their manner of life, and verily this is a new people. And there is something divine in the midst of them. Something divine in the midst of them. Do you know what it is? It's the kingdom of heaven. Because my friends, the kingdom of heaven is Jesus himself. 
And listen, when Jesus comes into your heart and life, he changes everything. He is of supreme value. Nothing is worth more. And the way to Jesus is by letting go and giving yourself to him. And in your letting go, you're the one who gains. Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And when you give your life, you give your all to Jesus. Friends, that is when you'll discover that joy is the overflow of that gift. I tell you, Jesus is the treasure. He is the choice pearl. And even if he costs you your all, he is worth it. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. I ask you today the question I asked earlier. Have you found this treasure? Have you come to Jesus? If you have, you know it. And if you don't know it, then today could be your day. And in giving yourself to him, I tell you, you'll find that great joy. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who indeed came and gave his all. He has invited us into this community in which he himself is the center. He is that something divine in the midst of us. Father, we pray that today, under the sound of my voice, either in this room or online, if there's anyone who's not yet taken that step of faith, trusting Jesus Christ, surrendering their life, giving their all to him, that today might be the day that they would put their trust and then, Father, help every one of us to live out of the overflow of his generosity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you